Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from RimfireTactical.com. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Episode 71, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day out there. We have a special treat for you guys today. We've got Aaron Johns from um, Anarchy Outdoors. And Aaron, please tell me I got that last name right. Yes, you did, Chris. Good job. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Thank you for the coaching. Um, we are really excited about having Aaron on. Uh, you guys that are not familiar, Anarchy is huge in uh, not only in the shooting industry, but really with a lot of their Rimfire uh, products and things like that. And so, Aaron, why don't you just go ahead and uh, get us started off. Give us a little background on yourself and and uh, maybe go ahead and give a little background on the company as well. Yeah, so um, like Chris said, he introduced me. My name is Aaron. I'm the, we live out here in the uh, out here in the west uh, west coast. Uh, born in Idaho, grew up you know from middle school to high school in, in Utah, um, and uh, you know I'm just a I'm a business-minded IT guy, you know, husband, father, son, all that type of jazz. Um, in uh, 2015, I got introduced to precision rifle shooting by my uh, by my big brother, and then he abandoned me and moved to, uh, moved out to the East Coast. So now I have to carry on all by myself. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that's a little bit about that's a little bit about me. I uh, I um, I'm an IT guy for a financial company. I um, run Anarchy from a strategic level. Co-founder with my business partner Kurt Hansen. Uh, we started uh, in 2015, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of where we started. And then um, my brother, um, it was kind of his fault that I got roped into Precision uh, Rifle Shooting, um, and that kind of started it. And um, Let's see. So then, my business partner, his, um, like I mentioned, his name's Kurt Hansen. He's kind of the hidden star of the company. Um, not really. He's not. He's not really. You can see him every once in a while on our social media, uh, but he kind of hides in the background. But he's our uh, our CEO and chief financial officer and everything. And he he really makes a lot of the back end paperwork and stuff happen. The bean counter in the corner. But he called me in late 2015 and was like, "Hey, let's start a company," and um, <clears throat> and and we we kind of and we were kind of throwing around ideas. And back in 2015, the outdoor drop shipping kind of thing uh, was kind of kicking off, right? Um, drop shipping had been around; it was getting even better and better with technology and different things. Sure, and then I got and then I got introduced to precision rifle shooting. So we set up Anarchy Outdoors with a with a name that was broad enough to allow for us to go in multiple different directions if we chose to. Um, we took a you know we took a we took a page out of Jeff Bezos' book. We picked a name that started with an A. A lot of people ask us. A lot of people call us Archery Outdoors. It's Anarchy Outdoors. <laughs> and yes, the last couple of years have put kind of a negative connotation on the word anarchy. But if you go look at the medieval Latin roots of anarchia and the group, the Greek, you know, the Greek words, it means you know, without ruler, total freedom in the outdoors. And that, that's kind of what we were looking for for the name of the company. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we were looking for, and um, you know, businesses. Business is very interesting. Uh, one thing I've learned is the price goes to the bold. And another thing I've learned is sometimes you just get pure, naked opportunities, and you have to be ready to seize them. And Anarchy was a little mix of, of everything. We, um, uh, we got into Precision Rifle. I bought a Ruger Precision. Um, it's my belief that the Ruger kind of changed the market in the competitive shooting community. Um, it kind of forced all the other firearm manufacturers to make things, you know, kind of in a more economical price point and with the, you know, half a MOI accuracy and different things like that. <clears throat> so I picked up a Ruger Precision Rifle, 
could not find any accessories for it. And if you've ever had a Gen 1 Ruger um, Precision, you have to replace a bunch of parts out of the gate just yes. to improve just to improve the rifle. The, the AR handguard that they put on it was a very bad idea. Um, the plastic bull shroud was another bad idea. Uh, just a couple things, you know, that would just the simple changes that makes the gun, you know, just better. And trying to source these products, I realized there was a, a gap in the market. The market did not have any Ruger precision rifle accessories. And I happened to stumble across the machine shop that was making a few parts, but could not do the recall side of things. So we partnered with them. Uh, we partnered with them to do the recall side of things because I had a website set up that we, we quickly transitioned from drop shipping to kind of our own products. And so we partnered with the machine shop. And then over the course of like the first year, year and a half, the machine shop, they went through some changes in management and did a couple different things. And they decided they didn't want to build a brand around the products that we were retailing for them. So we absorbed their products and started releasing our own products. So it's, you know, it was, it's, the founding of Anarchy was a serious and fortunate event. And then us being really ready to capitalize on a few things. So, so that's, that's where we got going. You know, we're known very much as the root, like the one-stop root of precision shop. See, that and, is fantastic. That, and I, I apologize. I was going to mention something really quickly. Yeah, go for what it. What you said is so crucial because, um, you know, in, in, the, in the real world where I'm, I actually, you know, make money instead of just spending money in, in the gun world, I work with business owners every single day. And there are so many business owners out there who they had, you know, they had an idea or they had uh, an opportunity that they saw it as an opportunity and they seized it while others looked at it and thought, eh, I don't know, I'm going to pass on that. And, um, you know, it's, there's so many things that go into creating a successful business, a successful brand, but the main driver that I see across the board is an opportunity and someone that realizes it for the opportunity that it is and then takes action on it. So I just want to throw that in because I, I think that's so that's crucial, not just in, in, you know, the gun industry, but that's crucial in life. So I, I just thought it was great. So, sorry, get right ahead, man. Yeah, no, feel free to stop, stop me anytime, Chris, and ask questions. And, and, and it can be, you know, it, it can be a conversation. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, business, I love business. I'm an IT guy. I kind of work in the same industry that you do. If I look, if I look correctly, you do merchant services or something. We do, we do. yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I, I work, I work for a company that we provide. We're a, we're a whole pay pack, right? We provide both issuing and acquiring of money. So it's, it's yeah, it's fun times. Anyways, so so anyways, going back to to anarchy, you know, just a series of fortunate events. And just some tenacious, um, just some tenacious attitude on, on trying to get it up and running. Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's October. We we don't ever really celebrate our anniversary, but October is our six year anniversary. We've been in business for six years. 2015 was a very pivotal year. I feel in the firearms community, and, and you can you can help me think of some other companies, but you get like. Coltac and Anarchy Outdoors and Area 419 had been around for years before, but they didn't really kick off until, you know, 2015 and 16 with right. releasing their Hellfire muzzle break. We kicked off around the same time. And, I mean, you start going and looking back, and all of a sudden, 2015, man, it was such a turning point. Everyone in the market realized that with the release of some new technology, especially a more affordable and feature-rich optics, that this was going to be an explosion. And, I mean, we were very kind of narrow-focused on our Ruger Precision Rifle. Um, it's still the breadwinner <laughs> at our company. We still sell 
more Ruger American and Ruger precision handles than any other product um, far out strips. Uh, I would never have thought that a little handle for a firearm would, would be, you know, would sell <laughs> would sell for millions of dollars, you know what I mean, Mike? I, I never thought that one, and that one product still today outperforms everything. We finally dethroned it with a different product, and we'll talk about that a little later. But, um, but yeah, it's been five years as our number one selling product, and just recently did we overturn it. So we put it in second place. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, and the uh, crazy thing about that when you're talking about 2015, so 2015 is actually the year that I started the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. And the reason that I did that is because I enjoyed long-range shooting. Um, the challenge, of course, is depending on where you live, sometimes long-range is relative. So for me to be able to shoot long-range, I had to drive a minimum of an hour and a half to two hours to get to either a range or a farm that I had permission to shoot on or whatever. And so I started getting into rimfires more and more, and especially, uh, you know, obviously you're familiar with Sniper's Hide. Um, a lot of the guys back then were talking about rimfire trainers more and more and more. And that was actually how I got started with, uh, you know, or started that the, the group was purely based off of, man, I like this type of shooting. I like that type of rifle. There's nothing really that just talks about that. So that's how we got started. And the funniest thing of, about it is those Ruger Precisions, I would agree with you completely, they were a game changer because nobody made something from the factory, especially something that was affordable. I mean, you could buy a Ruger Precision in 6.5 Creedmoor. Depending on where you bought it, you could buy the complete rifle for the cost of, of a Macmillan A5. Right, they were when they first came out. You could get them for seven ninety nine. Yep. you found a really good deal on them. Yep, I, my first one that I had came from. Uh, uh, well, it's not like uh, it's not okay to mention it. So Whitaker's Gun Shop, uh, Derek hooked me up, and I think I paid like eight sixteen plus tax or uh, plus shipping, and um, you know, great rifle, and you know, you could you guys coming along with the products that you offered for it, just it took that, that great entry-level rifle and made it better. And, and then from there, it's like the whole industry kind of turned and said, wait a minute, there's opportunity here, and, and it's, it's went on from there. So that, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, so, the Ruger Precision Rifles directly, I mean, you get the Savage 110 Stealth. You get the Tika TAC A1. You get, um, you know, you get um, like Christensen Arms putting them in like MDT chassis, and, and you get this, and then you get Bagara, like where the freak did Bagara come from, right? Then you right. get Bagara that just decides to stomp into the middle of everything like a big giant, so just stomping around. So you got all of these more precision tactical rifles, and it all pivoted off of Ruger. <laughs> it all pivoted off of what Ruger did. It's it's um it's kind of really cool to see how one product can change an entire industry. Absolutely, I would totally agree. Because I mean, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say one of the things that I appreciate about you guys, though, there are some companies out there that once they get a product or they become known for one thing or maybe one or two they kind of sit back and they, they kind of rest on their laurels and it's almost like they become comfortable being known for that product. Mm -hmm. They don't continue yep. to grow or, or innovate. Um, but you guys haven't done that at all. We're um, probably because we're, we're ran by a couple young guys that have too much energy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, the, the, the innovation, you know, I mean, which tagline is it? Some car manufacturer innovation that is, that um, excites. I, I love innovation, and I, and I love coming up with. I'm an IT guy, and IT guys we do one thing really well is we solve problems, right? We take big issues, break them into little pieces, and we and we solve problems 
If you want to be an IT guy, you have to be able to think analytically and take big problems and make them into little problems, right, and then solve the little problems. And I always tell people, like, I don't know that much, but I know how to use Google, right? I can Google and figure it out. Someone else has figured it out, right? One of my marketing professors said, you don't have to come up with any new ideas. You just have to take someone else's idea and make it better. Yep. <laughs> which is which is what we've done. <laughs> this is yeah. what we've done with a lot of our products is we've taken someone else's idea and made it better. But what makes Anarchy so unique is um, one is the dynamic relationship between me and my business partner. We're high school friends, middle school friends, and whatever. And then we took his youngest brother um, right out of high school. Um, so out here in Utah, we're all well, at least anarchy. We're all members of the LD of the LDS Church, Church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we sure. took him right after he did his two years religious sabbatical, and we plugged him into the company. And he's a big hunter, um, and we taught him the ways of what a precision rifle does. And uh, it was so funny. He came into the shop and he was like, "Oh, I need my Tasco and my 300 factory rum." And now he shoots the now he shoots the most decked out 300 PRC that you've ever seen. It's just, it's so funny. He printed like a, he printed like a .38 group at 900 yards the other day with it. And I was just like, yeah, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> but um, That's crazy. I mean, he's really good at what he does. He's, he's like got the best eagle eyes I've ever seen. Um, literally without binos, he'll spot a deer at a mile and say, hey, can you see that? No, Cody, none of us have eyes like you. <laughs> but, but it's funny. So that, that that's kind of a tangent, but it goes from here at Anarchy, we don't do anything. We don't sell anything that we don't use, and we're shooters in our discipline. I shoot Precision 22. I shoot Centerfire. I've been competing since 2015. And I compete with some really great guys. Um, you know, I compete uh, Austin Overman. He got me into it. You know, I compete with Paul Higley and Garrett Priest and Paul Dallin and Clint Adams and Morgan King, if you know who Morgan King is. Um, yeah, he's a neighbor of mine. He lives a half a mile from my house. So I'm surrounded by some great mentors and stuff. And um, so... I try. I haven't shot as much competitively recently as I have in the past, just because you know dad life and different things. But I try and stay apprised of what the market is doing through um, some of my friends who compete a lot more than I do. But uh, but then you know we look for opportunities. Anarchy, like you said, innovation. We we haven't stopped innovating, right? And in 2019. At Shot Show, I had an inkling of the rimfire craze that was going to start. And then at Shot Show 2020, you totally saw the craze, like, starting to pick up. You went from no aftermarket 22s to four or five of them on the floor. And, and we had noticed that back before. So we we jumped on the, the rimfire craze, you know. Yes, we use the stuff, but also we're capitalists and entrepreneurs and innovators. So, since so this is a rimfire, you know, rimfire podcast, we, we make a lot of different stuff for a lot of different rimfires. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to create something that makes the gun more efficient and better, and and helps the shooter obtain a natural shooting. Uh, position or natural shooting flow, um, you know, trying to help uh, helping equipment kind of overcome some of the training barriers because a lot of people are new to the sport and, and people don't have just hours and hours behind the gun. Right. So, and, and a lot of our products do that. So you take like the Ruger Precision Rimfire um, rifle. We've made an extended mag release that allows you to drop the mag. If you're a new shooter, you're not used to reaching up and dropping it. You know, it gives you, you can just use your finger, you know, coming off the front. Um, you know, just soft cheek pads, 
for the Teak. Well, and then you get into like some serious stuff like the Ruger Precision or the CZ 457 firing pins. They break. I broke mine. So we're, you know, we've got those on the drawing board. I think they're almost done. Heat treated uh, firing pins, which you, I would not recommend dry firing with because you will probably break your breech before you break the firing pin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I broke my I broke my CC firing pin and I was only getting 80% impacts. And when you shoot a competition and you're only getting 80% ignitions, it makes for a fun day. So um, so we've been so we've been doing stuff in that in that sector. But we make stuff so we make stuff for the Ruger uh, Precision Rimfire. We make stuff for the Ruger American Rimfire, and then we make stuff for the Ruger it's like LPT rimfire, target rimfire. They changed the scope base, like, so minutely. I want to murder them. But anyway, <laughs> they just barely changed it. But so our, our handle that we developed for the Ruger American rimfire, well, the American and the Precision are basically the same gun, just different stocks and different, a couple different things. So that handle, you know, we, we developed for that so that uh, – you could put a threaded knob on it so you can make a bigger knob. But the, the cool thing about all of our bolt handles, if you if you lay them out on a table and you start looking at them, they all have a slight bend to them. And that slight bend, and since you're a shooter, when you come off the trigger and you extend your uh, trigger finger forward, you should be coming just slightly up and cupping that bolt knob, right? Back, right. you know, straight up, back, and down in one fluid motion. And we have found, and the reason we sell so many Ruger American precision handles for the centerfire guys is our handle puts the bolt knob exactly in the spot it's supposed to be for the minimum motion of the rifle. And the Ruger precision, and the Ruger precision has that 70% cock where it like double cocks. And every time you, if you don't run the bolt hard and fast, you end up like tilt tipping the rifle on its side because it's just not the most fluid of bolt, you know, of bolt throws. Right. So, but our, our handle helps with that because it's a little longer, different angle, gives you a different leverage point. So those are I mean, those are things to consider when people are like, Why why would I want to change my handle from the factory one that's already threaded? Well, just buy it and try it because I guarantee you you won't use the factory one after that, right? For sure. And, you know, one of the things about gun guys in general, it seems like most of us, you know, we, we have that need, that compulsive need to, to accessorize things anyway, whether it's, it, it's handguns, it's rifles, it's cars, it's, it's ATVs, whatever the case is, you know, we, we have that tendency to want to make changes and, and really kind of put our stamp on it, our, our little touches that make it unique for us. But the difference with what you guys do is you're not just making something to give somebody the uh, ability to, you know, change it out, but you're improving the product too. So Yeah, we, you know, until, until recently, we haven't really made anything cosmetic. It's, it's, I mean, you could say it all, it all adds a cosmetic appeal, but it all adds a very specific functionality that we're looking for, um, like one, one opinion is our penguin grip, right? You're starting to see all sorts of vertical grips, right? I think MPA and, and we were like, we're two of the very first ones to ever do a vertical grip. And now you're seeing them all over the market. And our penguin grip has lettering on the front of it that no one seems to like, but the lettering on the front is a tactile muscle memory for your fingertips, right? Um, Right. Which people don't understand. I'm like, well, it serves a purpose. There isn't anything on that product that does not serve a purpose. Well, I just don't like the letters. Okay, well, if you're using the letters like they're intended, well, you will, you know, your accuracy will improve or whatever. And if you don't like the letters, you can grind them off of the Dremel. Or we're about to release an, an updated version where we stippled it instead of put, putting the letters on the front to make customers happy. And, that, and that's one of the great things about running a small business and being in the community is we get feedback and we take your feedback seriously and we apply it to our products. Um, 
sometimes we release some products that are maybe not in their polished state just to get some feedback. Um, and, and it works out, you know, it works out really, really, really well for us. So, but, but that being said, we jump back into some, some other Rimfire products. You are, what are you shooting, Chris, for your Rimfire stuff? You're shooting a Voodoo, right? I shoot a lot of, of different rifles, primarily if I'm competing in NRL 22 or PRS or even some of the local matches that are kind of a blend of, of a little bit of prone, a little bit of shooting off of a bench or whatever, I'm typically shooting one of my voodoos. Um, but like I also shoot a lot of silhouette, um, some steel challenge. And so I've got the, the range from voodoos uh, to uh, like my silhouette rifle. Most of the time I'll shoot an on shoots, uh, 1712. Um, I shoot a, a, a Valkortsen in steel challenge. Um, I, I literally am the perfect example of ADD meets rimfire. And, so, um, and, and even like like when I first done for each use case, I like exactly. it exactly. And, and not only that, but it's like um, I think I've told the story in the past on uh, on the podcast. But years ago, I walked into a local gun shop, and I knew the guys that worked there really well. One of the guys says, "Hey, come back behind the counter. I've got something back here you're going to love." And I had been shooting long range for a while, but I was doing it with with a factory rifle. Back then, I just didn't have the money to invest in a, in a dedicated rifle that would be used for, like, 1,000-yard comps and things. And so I go behind the counter, and here sits this beautiful black and blue Macmillan A5 stock uh, 308. It's, uh, had a, uh, it had a, a Bartland barrel. And, uh, like, I'm just, I just fell in love. It was a Remington 700 that had been blueprinted, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is beautiful. Whose is this? You know, what am I going to have to trade to, to buy this thing? And while I'm looking at the rifle, the guy who had purchased the rifle and had it shipped to the store, he shows up. And he looks at me holding his rifle, and he's like, uh, what you doing? You know, and so I explained. Um, they just told me to check this out. I was like, man, this thing is so incredible. And he goes, ah, it's a mud gun. <laughs> and, I like, and, and I literally was like, come again? What do you mean? And he goes, look, I shoot competition, and I hate synthetic stocks. I hate stainless steel. I shoot wood stock rifles in all the comps. But more often than not, when I go to, to a lot of the different matches, it rains at some point. And when it rains, you know, typically from the firing line, because he's a prone shooter, he's like, typically, you know, when you're shooting from the firing line, all of us are shooting from designated spots that through the years have just kind of been wallowed out to the point that you're laying in a mud puddle shooting. And he's like, you know, I like wood stocks. I like blue rifles. And so I just decided I was going to get a mud gun. I was going to get something I didn't care about. And so if the forecast <laughs> is calling for that, I'm going to shoot this, this nasty old mud gun. So he's looking at this thing, calling it a mud gun and like acting like it's junk. I'm looking at it drooling all over it. And so yep. from that point on, I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, you know, I've, through the years, I've been able to put together um, a decent collection of some, some really nice rifles, uh, different things. But then it's like in the back of my mind, I need a mud gun. And so I've, I've ended up with, um, you know, creating – I'm kind of like Michael Jordan. If I don't have a problem that I'm, I'm trying to solve or that's going to drive me, I'll just create one. And so um, – I decided, I was like, man, I'm going to shoot NRL 22, and I've got these voodoos, but wait a minute. I might want to shoot base class. And so next thing you know, it's like I, I went out and found a 457 Pro Varmint and then, you know, went way overboard sticking stuff on it. Um, the same thing for, like, the 17. That tends to happen. That tends to happen. Uh, it, it totally does. And then, you know, me having the, the podcast, having the Facebook group, uh, we're getting ready to launch the Rimfire Tactical Forum here, hopefully by the end of the month. And uh, so it's like I've got all these different things, and I'm like, well, what, you know, we're just going to do this in the name of research, and this is good content. And so my wife looks at me every once in a while, and, the, you know, it's like there's a new rifle thing there or something, but she doesn't care. She just looks at it, and she's like, is that more content? <laughs> and so, you know, we just – we kind of laugh about it, and she's like, when did you get red red guns? Like, you've got this red rifle that you, you take out of here that's got this funny stock on it, and she's talking about the Valkorsen, but then the next time that she sees a red rifle, it's it's a voodoo sitting in a J out, and she's like, that's a different red rifle. And I'm like, yeah, it is. 
And, you know, truth be told, here in a few weeks, there'll probably be a different red rifle show up. <laughs> but, uh, but sorry, didn't mean to get on such a tangent there. But, yeah, boo-boos are what I typically shoot for a, a majority, especially uh, the precision stuff. Um, that, that tends to be my go-to. Yeah, but, you know, it sounds like you got a, a mix of different things, and and that's awesome. I think one of these days I'll probably end up – I'll have to go down to – St. George, and I'll have to pick up a Voodoo one of these days, I think, just because, man, once they're dialed in, they're, they're hard to beat. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyways, so, we, we, like I said, we, we, we kind of got on the rimfire train. So, you're, you know, as a business guy, you're always trying to find a niche. I don't like competing with people from a business standpoint because then it turns into a – you know, um, turns into a race to the bottom, basically. And yeah. you're in merchant services. You understand the race to the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is the best way to explain it. And and it's, it's interesting for the people who are listening that don't really understand what, uh, what Aaron's talking about there, especially in the credit card processing industry, but this happens in every industry. Some companies get so focused on trying to get sales that they don't focus on quality, they don't focus on customer service, they focus only on price. So what they do is they, they're determined to be the cheapest in the market. And most of the time, those companies will get a little bit of traction and they'll get some news or, or some publicity because they are cheaper. And then it forces other companies to lower their prices. And eventually you get to a point where no one's making any money and for any business, I don't care if we're talking guns, merchant services, or any type of business, you have to make money to stay in business. And so yep. that race to the bottom is, I mean, it's to me, it's a really good indication of someone that not only doesn't understand business, but usually it's, I see them as being desperate and, and it's the beginning stage of, of them working themselves out of an industry because it's right. not sustainable. Um, yeah, business is um, business. Once you start, yeah, once you start a race to the bottom, and then you've you you stopped doing what real business does, right? Business solves a problem, and yeah. if you're not solving a problem, or if there's lots of people solving the problem, you have to have something that differentiates you from the problem, and and that's kind of what we we do at Anarchy, right? We we try really hard to find niche areas where we don't have a lot of competition and provide an outstanding product and the customer service and we answer the phone. Believe it or not, answering the phone, you know, it opens a lot of doors. There's a lot of companies in the firearm industry who just, they refuse to answer the phone. They're like, answering the phone is just so inefficient that we'd rather, you know, instant message or send us an email, right? Yep. Um, and there's there's a couple, like, multi you know, multi, just huge companies that that refuse to answer the phone, and you know, one of them has almost a million subscribers on YouTube, and they won't talk to you on the phone because not that they don't want to help you, but it's inefficient for them, and they're all about efficiency. And I think at that point, you've lost some touch with your customer base, right? And and what makes us great is we have we have some really different demographics of people, and and we have a lot of um older generation blue-collar guys, you know, that don't have email addresses and don't have, you know, they have to they have to go put money on their prepaid debit card because they don't live in the high-speed world of us, you know, 30-year-olds where, you know, we can tap our phone and money flies every direction and we have 30 email addresses and, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's one thing we pride ourselves on is, you know, customer service, like, you can call us. Yes, we don't always get to the phone, but we'll always call you back, and and eventually we'll get, we'll get back to you. We are in the West, so we get a lot of East Coast guys calling us early. <laughs> um, so just be mindful of the time that you're calling. We are, you know, Mountain Standard Time, and we will answer the phone between 8.30 and 5 Mountain Time, and if you're lucky to call on the weekend and I'm not busy, I'll actually, I'll actually answer the phone. I love talking to customers. So on the weekends, if, I, if I'm free or if I'm down and you call, I pick up the phone. And a lot of times I get these guys that are like, wow, I can't believe you answered the phone today. I'm like, you know, 
I don't always answer the phone, but I like to answer the phone when I can. So it keeps me in touch with the customers. I don't do a lot of customer service anymore. Um, you message me on Facebook, and I'm going to tell you to call support or email support. It's just I'm not not my wheelhouse. I don't do it very much anymore. They're very much more up to speed about our processes, how we're doing returns and exchanges, and the the product fitment. And one thing that Anarchy does, and, and you kind of mentioned this, is we make a lot of products that have really, like the factory guns have really screwed up tolerances. So some of our products require some extra customer service, especially with the Ruger Precision Rifle I and mean, the gun shoots, but their tolerances are like 500, 500. And right. you can't make a product that will fit every gun, so our bolt shrouds you know, they'll fit, one bolt shroud may not fit on your gun, or it might fall off of your gun. So some of our products require a little bit more customer service because we're providing more of a custom product, and Ruger's solution to their bad tolerances is a bolt shroud that if you if you wiggle the bolt enough, it will fly off and whack you in the face. <laughs> that was their solution. You know, that's their solution to their safety recall, right? Their safety recall on the Gen 1s is, hey, sometimes the firing pin doesn't fall and when you grab the handle, the gun goes off. Yep. Their their solution was, well, we'll just make it, the tolerance is so wide on the bolt shroud that it wobbles like a floppy fish. And our response to that is, we're going to find a tolerance in the middle somewhere and then warn customers, like, hey, look, if the shroud goes on and it's too tight, you need to dry fire that gun before you put a round in it because you should you should see if the firing pin is falling, right? You need to listen for the firing pin to fall. And, and different things like that. So that's you know, that's kind of what we pride ourselves on is just different unique products, products that for like firearms that don't have a large aftermarket support. Um, and that's why we do the Ruger and we do the Tika. We just started um, Time, the whole pandemic timeline has screwed me up because I, I feel like we deleted the year 2020 completely. Right. So I don't know if we started Savage this year or if it was in 2020. I, I don't recall. Uh, anyways, we've been making Savage 110 and Axis handles for a while now. Same with Thompson Centers. Uh, Tika, I don't know why Tika is not more popular in the United States, probably because it's not a U.S.-made brand, but, man... It's hard to beat a factory Tika rifle. Yeah. Uh, so, we, you know, we do accessories for Tikas as well and different things. But what, one thing that's that's really cool, again, about Anarchy is we're shooters in the industry, and you shoot a, you shoot a CZ-457. I shoot a CZ-457 for competition, and it, it's my competition rifle. It has a Bartlett on it, fluted by Area 419. You know, it's not your typical 457, but... I put it in the Carrie Bravo stock, and the mag well, it's like hunting in the dark to put your mag in. And an right. example of one of the products that, from my direct shooting in the field, I came into my R&D guy, and I, I came into my designer, and I was like, look, see this giant mag well? I want a funnel so that when I slap that mag, Anywhere in the vicinity, it's going to go in where it's supposed to. And that's been, uh, that's, I mean, I, and I've worked on lots of products. Not all the products are my ideas. The majority of them are, but we've got products all over the place from different people, uh, from brother-in-laws and friends and all sorts of stuff. Um, but, but some of the customer reviews on this product, which we only made like 20 of them out of the gate, of the mag fillers to see how they do, and uh, some of these, the couple of reviews we've gotten is just awesome. I'll read one of these to you, and it says, "Oh, what a what a difference this makes! We've been using it for several months. It makes big differences in matches where you have to change mags. Also, just inserting the mag to shoot is much easier and simpler. No more issues, and seating the mag all the way and getting it seated on the first try well worth it." So, I mean, look at that. We just changed the way that dude shoots competitions. Exactly. Um, we we and, totally changed it. And one thing that you did, I mean, this – so I I tell people all the time, 
you used to hear, uh, and I still hear, will hear people talk about how they're going to start shooting a 22 because it's cheaper and they save money. And I always tell them I found every way possible to screw that up. But I'm also not a fan of spending extra money if you don't have to. And that guy that you that you just read that review from, that's somebody who magazine <laughs> changes in PRS rimfire matches. That could be the difference between him being competitive because he can easily change magazines and still make the or get the rounds down range within the time frame versus him possibly selling that rifle or trading it and spending more money buying something else that may not shoot any better because I think we could both agree CZs for the money are probably some of the most accurate rifles out there, period. But it's one of those things where, you know, it can be the little issues that if you focus on it, that little issue becomes a big issue and then constantly, you know, you're thinking or, you know, oh, my gosh, I got to reload and, and when I go to reload – Man, I hope I don't I don't fumble this mag change, and you know that can be the difference in someone's mind, especially if they're if they're right there on the edge, like they're they're really close to that top three finish, but they're getting beat out by a couple of seconds, or maybe it's it's one or two rounds because they timed out on a stage. Yeah. I mean that's huge, and I mean when you have when you can accessorize, if you will. That I have a wife and three daughters, so I have a lot of bling and a lot of, of accessories yep. at my house. But it's one of those things where it's like if you can add an accessory that not only looks cool, but it's functional, man, that gives so much or gives you so many more options. And it can kind of breathe new life into either what you're shooting or how you're shooting. Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of that. I, I've had a couple times um, in my, my shooting history, if you will, where it was a little thing. It was a trigger change or it was, um, you know, extended mag release or it was something minor, but it was something that either I thought was too big of a job to do or that somebody didn't offer. And then I find out it's an option and suddenly it's it's a game changer. So I, I, I just think that's a perfect example because where you're shooting and you mentioned Cody and, and how, you know, he's a hunter, but he's also he's, he's shooting constantly and doing things. When you guys are out there and you're shooting and you're figuring out either from your own experience or talking to other shooters, you're you're analyzing, you're listening when people are saying, hey, I wish we had something that did this. Not enough companies do that, in my opinion. And, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, about answering the phone. So, you know, customer service is such a big thing that so many companies, I think at some point a lot of them grow to the point where, they feel like they've outgrown it, and because of that, they just don't um, they don't continue to do what they did to get to that point. And in some cases, you know, they they maintain, but they don't grow. In some cases, they they start to lose market share, and uh, and in some cases, they lost market share. They figure out the problem, they implement it, but it's really difficult to get market share back once you've lost it. And, yeah, and there's there's a lot of good you know there's a lot of good examples of that. You got Remington, you know. That's the one I'm thinking Rem- of exactly. You got Remington. You've got outside the gun community. You got BlackBerry. BlackBerry had the market man, and then Apple just obliterated it, you know, because they yep. failed to innovate. Someone was like, "Who wants a full touch screen phone? That's dumb." Well, guess what? The number one selling phone in the world is it's an iPhone, right? You yep, like absolutely. BlackBerry had the market corner. Same with Remington, right? Remington had the market corner. There would not be a Bagara today if Remington was still the Remington of 30 years ago. Absolutely. And even the, the, the one that I think about that's in the, on the optics side, because Remington is exactly who I was thinking about, but I'm a big Schmidt and Bender fan, and I'm fortunate to have a few Schmidt and Benders, but, you know. Schmidt, They're not innovating. No, they, they for the longest time, I feel like they sat back and said, we are the best on the planet. And while they were sitting back and, and kind of resting on their laurels, Night Force is like, you know what? Hold my beer and watch this. And Night Force is bringing new products to the market. Zico, I mean, good Lord, zero compromise. I love those scopes. They came out. Collis got better, you know. And suddenly it's like Schmidt & Bender is, has given up all this market share and as great as I think their scopes are, 
other companies have much better reticle designs. Um, you know, now I think like Vortex and some of the companies, they've realized, hey, there's a real, there's a real need for a tactical style scope that's lighter weight. And, um, you know, I mean, I've got a good friend of mine that I've, I've gotten him into shooting rim fires. And so one of the things that we were talking about was optics. And he has, uh, like in the last year, he's, he's bought a uh, kid super grade. He's done lots of different things. Um, uh, 1727 on um, getting ready to order a voodoo, which I, I, as much as I love voodoos, he's got a Vergara that absolutely hammers. But his kid's super grade, he got the lightweight barrel and the and the uh, the heavyweight, and so we were shooting one day, and he's like, "Man, I think the lightweight barrel outshoots the heavy barrel by just a little bit." So the next time we went to shoot a match, here he's got this kid super grade with this lightweight uh, sleeve barrel, and he's got the Schmidt Bender set on top of it. Now it's in a Magpul stock, but I mean the rifle is so awkward because that Schmidt is heavy, you know. <laughs> and uh but it's like it's one of those things like I just remember like we're sitting there and like everybody's walking by and they're like, Oh my god, I can't believe he's got a Schmidt and Bender and he's like, Yeah, pick it up, you know. <laughs> and and so I just think there's such an opportunity out there for the companies that are willing to innovate, they're willing to listen and, and they're willing to take a chance. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably been a product or two that you guys thought might be something that would um, you know, take the market by storm, and maybe it didn't quite pan out that way. And, and you may not have had that experience, but, you know, that happens a lot of times. But you've got to be willing to take that chance because you just never know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of I – mean, we've had some – we do a lot of experimenting. And the great thing is we have some really good relationships with machine shops and with our composite manufacturing guys and some other stuff – it's expensive to make small runs of stuff, okay? It's really expensive. Like, you've got machine setup time and new tools and fixturing, and it's not cheap. When people look at our some of our pricing, they go, why is that so expensive? Well, why don't you go run a business and pay payroll, and you tell me what it has to be, right? Exactly. Um, but, one of, but one of the things is, is I'm like, our relationships with some of our machine shops and, and the guys we do business with, because we've created such a good relationship, they'll do small part runs for us where they won't do it for anyone else, right? They'll run 50 of one part for us. It's more expensive for them up front, but they know that if that part works, they've got locked-in money, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year coming back to them. So they're willing to, to take the risk sometimes with our small runs so we can test things. And, and the great thing about composite manufacturing or 3D printing on, uh, on an industrial level is we <coughs> – sorry. You're good. So, yeah, <coughs> 3D printing is you can make smaller runs of items to test the market. And and it's just, I mean it's just great. We make we make all sorts of different things, um, especially in, in the rimfire space. I, I mentioned you know we make we make stuff for the CZ 457, 455, the Ruger Precision Rimfire, the Ruger American, the Tika T1X, the Bagara B14R. We make stuff for for all of them, and and all of it is is stuff that improves the shooter. On my personal gun, I run a Night Force NX8 mm -hmm. on top of it, and I had a 30 MOA scope base, and I had to dial a stage that was 425 yards. I only had 18 mils of adjustment, and then I had to hold 6 mils in the reticle, right? I yeah. hate holding in rimfire. It's just not as accurate as dialing, and rimfire right. is so finicky if I have the time, I'm going to dial and never hold unless I have to um, just because it's, it's just finicky. So I swapped my scope base out for a 50 MOA, and I gained 8 mils of adjustment, which I got a call. Since I'm using a CZ, the Area 419 scope base is like the cat's meow. I love yeah. it. So I got to call Craig and see if he'll make me a 6 year 
70 MOA scope base um, just as a one-off. So I'll have to see if he'll do it because I still have I still have six mils of adjustment under that I can dial. So if I add another little bit MOA, I think I can uh, I think I can stretch it out to like close to 500 yards without having to hold. So I got to call him to do that. But but again. Area 419, they, they made a 50 MOA scope base. We're very similar. Um, we, we don't make one for the CZ, but going back to niche products, right, everyone and their dog makes a 20 MOA scope base. Everyone does, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, or in the rimfire, they make a 15 or a 30, right? That's just kind of standard. Uh, Area 419 set that standard at 15 and 30 a couple of years ago. But what we do is we like to, like I said, we like to be different. We like to push the market. And with being shooters, we realized, guess what? With all these new Chinese optics or Japanese optics or even Filipino optics, you can run a 30 MOA scope base or a 40 MOA scope base or a 60 MOA scope base, depending on the rifle and scope combination that you're using. So if you get on our website, you'll see we don't make a ton of 20 MOA scope bases. But we make a ton of 30s and 40s and just different ones, right? Again, it goes back to I don't like competing with people. And, and again, the market will support a 30 and a 40 MOA scope base. We just need to educate the user saying, hey, look, you're running a new Vortex or an Arkin or an Athlon or a Riton. They'll all, you can still zero at 100 yards and they'll all run. Or, you know, 50 MOAs with the NX-8 will still zero at 25 yards with the rimfire, right? So just different things like that. And it's it's been fun. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a lot of fun. I love just innovating uh, different ideas. We have a board of, you know, like 40 new products we're working on. And, and we do, a, we do a, a lot of different things. One piece of the business that, that a lot of guys don't know that we do is we are the U.S. Pro U.S. Distributor of Tactical Clothing, as well. So we do a lot. So we do a lot of law enforcement sales, a lot of SWAT teams. Um, we've done stuff with the Secret Service and D.C. and the FBI and, and a bunch of different things. So that's kind of another avenue that that we have in uh, in our business. So Anarchy is we're very focused on the firearm accessories, but we're also we've got a couple other niches that we play in. So it just keeps life fun and exciting, and we're doing something different every day and taking, you know, just experiences from the field and bringing it back. And, and one of those is you look at the muzzle loader, right? These new inline muzzle loaders are, you know, you're killing deer at 400 yards now with these inline muzzle loaders. And we took a, a CVA Paramount, and after using it in the field, we made a bunch of modifications for it, muzzle brake, fast flow funnels, uh, just different things, right? And it all just comes back to we're a company that's in the field using the gear. So. That is huge. I mean, I really do think it's the difference between you guys. And there's other companies that are in the firearms industry, and there's other companies that are out there. Like I said, whether we're talking cars or whatever, there are, are some companies that see an opportunity and say, hey, we're going to make something for this because it's the hot thing right now. And... Um, I kind of equate it to, like, in the gun industry, you know, for several years, everybody made an AR. I mean, it was like, you know, somewhat, everybody was waking up one morning and going, you know, I'm pretty sure I can make up personal lowers. And, uh, you know, I'll buy parts kits, and I'll buy whatever, you know, and, and we're suddenly an AR manufacturer. But I think the difference that I see with a lot of what you guys do is it's something that it, you're feeling a need, and uh, you mentioned before, like, you're solving problems. That's, that's the thing about IT. So if you ask my daughters what I do, they'll tell you, yeah, Daddy sells credit card processing, and, and we own some storage facilities and, and some other things. And, and, like, the storage facilities, you mentioned something before about you actually answer the phone. That has been the key for us with ours because so many places, they just don't answer the phone. You know, they yeah. don't answer the phone, and then they complain because they don't rent their units. But if you ask my daughters at the end of the day what it is that I do, they'll tell you everywhere we go, daddy makes friends and daddy solves problems. And and it's like, you know, it's it's funny, but it's true. I mean, I love helping people figure out how to fix a problem, whether it's on the credit card processing side or, you know, maybe they've had this traumatic uh, event in their life. Maybe they've lost a job or, 
or they've had to move, or maybe it's a divorce, or, or maybe they're having a baby or something, and, and they need a place to store things. You know, so it's just, I love being in that position where you can help people solve a problem. And, uh, and really, like, the whole premise of this podcast and the group and everything that, that we have, it's like I like talking about these types of guns and this type of shooting because it's a lot of fun for me. And where I live, unfortunately, there's just not a ton of people that I can go and shoot with on a daily basis that, you know, shoot these types of rifles or are willing to invest the time and the money into uh, finding out what a, a, you know, a 22 rifle will do at three, four, 500 yards. And so it gives me an opportunity to talk to a lot of, of people all around the world. But the other thing about it is, so much of what I've bought through the years, and I've got several years on you. Like I'm, I'm 47, so I've, you know, I've earned the gray hair that I have, and I'm happy I have gray hair and instead of no hair. But it's like through the years, man, I have bought so many things blind. Like I had to tote buy it totally blind. I'm trusting what people have said on gun forums or you know advertising. Back in the day, it was advertising in magazines. And some of those products live up to it. Some of them, they were gimmicks, you know. But because there was no local option, I, I had to go off of what I could find. And so the difference between, you know, working with companies like you guys, where you're testing the products, you're creating the products, you're doing everything, that's huge. And then, you know, we've got, the, you know, groups like Rimfire Tactical, and there's tons of other places. And like I said, we're going to have our forum, but there's Sniper Side. There's lots of great places where you can get – really good feedback from people who are actually out doing what you want to do instead of just, you know, being an armchair quarterback. But, um, man, we're, we're, uh, wrapping up or getting real close to wrapping up here. We're knocking on about an hour, but Aaron, you have given us so much value, man. I appreciate you talking so much about it. Um, so tell us a little bit, how can everyone, uh, how can they reach out to you? How can they learn more about anarchy, get more uh, information on products, uh, give us all the contact info. Yeah, so this is actually perfect because we're about to do something that we've never done before. We're about to launch into the handgun space. We've we've had like nine months of prep into the handgun space, and we're about to launch that. So check us out. You know, Facebook, it's Anarchy Outdoors. Instagram, at Anarchy Outdoors. YouTube, Anarchy Outdoors. Um, again, my name is Aaron Jones. You can hit me up. You can friend me on Facebook. I'm the moderator in the Ruger Precision Rifle Group that has, I don't know, 40,000 members or whatever, you know, you can message uh, us via Google, you can email us, support at anarchyoutdoors.com, reach out, call on the phone. We're, we're always here to support the customer um, and make sure you guys have a great experience. Our products are all warranted with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it, it's not your, it's not your, you know, not your thing on the gun, let us know. And we'll, you know, we'll exchange it or do whatever, right? We we want your shooting experience to be the best there is, and we want you to bring more people into the sport. So That's outstanding. Listen, thank you so much for being on uh, this episode. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I was excited when you'd reached out and happy we were able to make this work. And the cool thing about it is, when we launch the forum here in, like I said, hopefully it's a couple of weeks, but we've run into a few different snags. One of the things that we're going to do with permission from you and and uh, and several other companies, um, you know, we we take I take the the shooting part. It's so much fun to me. Like it's not a business. Um, it's just it's a passion of mine. And so one of the things we're going to do on that forum is we're going to be putting uh, banners for different companies that we support, that we appreciate because of what they do, whether it's selling something, whether it's making something, you know, companies that, frankly, they're my favorites. I mean, I figure if it's my forum, it's, you know, I get to be selfish that way. And so we're going to have um, some banners. My kingdom. <laughs> I won't go that far, but it's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, I just feel like there are so many people out there that do great things. And so we're going to have a banner on the, the forum that will uh, direct people over to you. Uh, we're not charging anything at all for any of that. We just want to do that for, for companies that support the type of shooting that we enjoy. And so uh, I'll be reaching out to you here in the next um, 
few weeks to, to get then, that if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll even help you design one if, if you want. And then, you know, just one last plug, Chris. I appreciate you coming on. This is, I'm trying to do more and more podcasts, trying to get, you know, our products, what we offer, what makes us different out to everyone. So I really appreciate the time you've taken to build your audience and then to allow us to come on and, and talk about our passion and the things that we love. So, Absolutely. All right, well, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week. Check us out next week. We'll have another guest on. Remember, go out, have fun, shoot fast, shoot often. And remember, it's not just the 22. Cheers.